Hello, I'm Paul. I'm Adam. And I'm Ben. And welcome to the Film Busters Podcast. The film show with no filters, no prisoners taken, loads of disagreements, but one hell of a love for cinema. If you want to hear three friends ridiculing each other for an hour or so regarding their taste in films, then you have come to the right place. In each episode, one of the team picks a film for us to discuss. It could be anything from a recent cinema release to an all-time classic. So, strap in and get ready to get mad or get vindicated as we guide you through the murky world of being a film geek. If you like what you hear, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram using at FilmBustersPod. You can also find each of our individual accounts. I'm at FilmBustersPaul. I'm at FilmBustersAdam. And I'm at FilmBustersBen. If you want to use your eyes instead of your ears, you can also visit the website at filmbusterspod.co.uk And if busting makes you feel good you can also support us at patreon.com forward slash filmbusters for exclusive content. Alright, can we just get on with this now please? So when are we going to spend the lovely Patreon money on buying a blue tick on Twitter guys? We're never going to ever do that. It's like (laughs) the most confusing thing in the world at the moment and it's horrible and it defeats the whole object of the whole thing it's pure desperation to be noticed on a social media platform (laughs) i don't care why would i want to be noticed with a little blue tick that means nothing it's just i don't know weird that you can just buy it like i don't know can anyone just buy it well it's just yeah if you've got the money it's just monetizing everything isn't it everything's got to be monetized nowadays it's like all computer games have to be monetized they're like oh yeah we can get money let's get microtransactions let's let's find any way to squeeze any pennies out of everyone it is because everything is in a loss like YouTube is in like a million dollar hole that's why even their ad revenue that's why YouTube had to change their model it's like pay a subscription to get no ads or you have to watch ads it's the only way that these these companies can make money Most I mean of that these... kind of makes sense you know on YouTube because that is a thing that you go oh that is annoying when ads pop up so I can yeah. understand like someone to be like okay I can actually get rid of these now but choosing to like be <laughs> have a little small tick and pay for that and it's like fuck off man I mean, the, the, I get why famous people do it so that you, they can make sure that there's not a false. Funnily enough, here's a good example, right? You know the guy who plays Garth Marenghi. Yeah, yeah. He's do, he's doing his book tour at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Matthew Holness yeah. and loads of venues. You, if you go on his Twitter account, you will see that he had to message loads of venues and say, "Please, can you untag the original account account that you tagged and tag this one because that other person's an impersonator," and I in the old days I could see why someone like him should then pay for verification so people know but now every motherfucker's going to have a blue tick it's like well which one do I tag in mm. and if one says no I'm the real Garth Marenghi and the other one's like no I'm the real Garth Marenghi I'm Spartacus it'll be that kind of fucking <laughs> thing on Twitter if you can click it and see how it goes but yeah it's just who's got time to click onto the ticks of every account yeah but I don't know how so, so if you're a celebrity you can get a blue tick just by being verified, I guess. You don't yeah. have to pay for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You do now under So you Musk. still even, you still have to pay for it if you're a celebrity? Yeah. Oh, God, man. I know. I thought but it was, the thing is, arguably, the celebrities can afford it, but I guess it's the principle of the I thing, mean, isn't it? It just it totally takes away, like, anything from that, that tick. It, like, that showed a, a sign of, like recognition of this is a, an account that you know yeah. holds up its values and it's a it's got a lot of followers and it holds up its reputation and it's like now it's just it could be anything i know 
stupid. It means absolutely fuck all. If one of you suddenly logged onto Twitter tomorrow and you had a blue tick, I would think you'd lost your mind. Yeah. yeah. Because it'd be like, what does it mean? It doesn't matter for it us. It kind only of matters for end at the moment. Mm. Yeah, you need to be someone of note. I hate it when you see a blue tick. Anyway, this is pre-Musk. Whenever you saw someone with a blue tick who wasn't famous, and like you click on their bio, and it's like, oh, journalist for something, something. It's like, get off your high horse, man. <laughs> Nobody cares if 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 you're verified. You mean nothing to me. Yeah. Are yeah. you famous? Are you famous? I only care about famous people. <laughs> Get Are out of my way, scum. Are you famous? <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Adam, how was your birthday? It was lovely, thank you very much. I got some lovely gifts from you two. Yes, we discussed yeah, the mug. Got, yeah, we got the mug that we've seen previously uh, that came all the way from Germany. And um, lovely little Ben over here got me a membership to the Prince Charles Cinema. Oh, cute. Prince Charles. That's and now nice. you can go and uh, book some tickets for the David Lynch all-nighter. There's many oh, David Lynch wait. films being shown at the moment. There is. Like they're doing one late November, I think, of five or six of his back-to-back through the night. That Are you would going? be too much wow. for me. No, wow. no, no. I couldn't do it. It's not, it's not the kind of... Yeah. I always said I, I could do a Twin Peaks marathon consistent. I couldn't do like all of his films mm-hmm. binge because it's just that's too much. You wouldn't be able to take it in. You'll be having some weird dreams if you fell asleep in that theatre. <laughs> and then woke up and been like, what the fuck am I? <laughs> I'd be living in the fucking dream. <laughs> what else you get, Adam? I got a fleece. A lovely little fleece. I got... I'm fleece? Well, fleece. you should have cleaned that dog before you let it in the house. <laughs> um, I've got an air fryer. Um, Explain oh, what nice. one of those is to me. They're just... I've got one at the moment, but it's small and very basic. So my parents have bought me a proper one. And they're just so good. Like, it is so much better than any... Like, it takes, like, one minute to warm up. You can just cook something immediately in it. Really easy to clean down. Better on the electric. Uh, it's a slow cooker. It's like a pressure cooker. It's a steamer. Yeah. I don't understand I mean, how it works. It. What is it? It replaces a frying pan? It replaces an oven, effectively, or a slow cooker. Or you can grill in it, like... It's just. Can you burn something in it? Yeah, but you'll take forever to burn it because the whole idea is that it makes stuff really crispy on the outside because of the way it's cooked. Right. So if you're cooking right. potatoes, for example, they'll be extra crispy because it's the air. It's like so. It's, it's like almost. So you're giving a bit of chicken windburn. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's cooked beautifully because it stays succulent in the middle and crispy. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know, I don't know the works. science behind it, but when you start using them, you sound like a knob because like you are like they are absolutely fantastic. Like I don't, don't, have to I don't get the benefit up. of it, though. Air fry. Are you putting oil in it? You don't use any oil in it. So how is it frying? You don't use any oil. Ex- yeah, I don't care how it's frying. Because fry, you fry something in, like, like you shallow fry, right? Mm. Or you deep fry, mm. and that's in oil. So you're frying in the air? <laughs> this is what I don't get. I don't get the air concept. <laughs> Adam doesn't know. No, either. he doesn't. We've shut him up, haven't we? <laughs> I mean, I don't know how it works. I don't know the science. That's why I buy one and cook with it. But um, they are great. And yeah, you don't need to use oil. I think it's the way it's all set up. So, yeah. Fantastic. So it's the way it's set up, basically. <laughs> they so are basically, they are a lot better than like a normal oven and all that kind of shit. I'm looking at a picture of it and it looks like a mini saucepan that then slides into 
a unit and it says the top section of an air fryer holds a heating mechanism and fan. You place the food in a fryer style basket and when you turn it on, hot air rushes down and around the food. This rapid circulation makes the food crisp, much like deep frying, but without the oil. See, I like that if it's essentially, so essentially it's a deep fryer without you the oil. everything in it. No. Mm. Yeah. The fish you. is really nice in it. Like bits of salmon fillets, like it looks like a pain slum. in the ass to have to clean. You just put the you put the thing in the dishwasher. Why would you not use an oven? I don't get it. I don't cover things in oil in the oven. Like if I put potatoes in the oven or chips in the oven, I don't then put oil on top of the chips. So, so how's that any crispy, different? You would have to. I never. Well, then you're not getting crispy chips. I am. Maybe your oven is shit. Well, it's like, well that's the thing, though. You you got an oven. It's a fa- it's a fan assisted oven. Yeah, right? exactly. So that's pretty much the same thing. It takes thing. Like a minute to warm up, as well, which is fantastic. It's easy. I'm to not that much in a rush to cook chips. <laughs> do you know, do you know the the negatives though? You got you got you're losing your counter space with that. Yes, you can put it in the cupboard. Quite. You're losing cupboard space. What, what cupboard? Lose a cold cupboard space. Then you can replace stuff with <laughs> How it. How many cupboards like, you got? You get rid of your slow cooker. You get rid of whatever. I don't know. Steamer, all that kind of stuff. Have you got a steamer? Anyway, I get it. I get it now. His parents got it for him because this is the next step up in his, into him learning how to cook properly, like chopping things up and preparing nicely. I do that using anyway. an oven. You don't. You we already do. established that Chelsea does it all. <laughs> Chelsea doesn't do any of the cooking. When we're together, she doesn't like cooking. You're such a liar. She doesn't like know. cooking. She doesn't find it enjoyable. I've seen I do. you. I've seen you. Yeah, when I was at home, when, when living with all the guys, yeah, I used to make like student meals. Listen, when I saw Chelsea... At, at my wedding, she was telling me how she likes to make a nice chicken parmesan. She's never made it. She's and never made that. That's your favourite meal. <laughs> it's never been my favourite meal either. I make all the best stuff. Absolute liar. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, happy birthday. Anyway, thank you Adam. very much. Happy birthday. Enjoy your air I will, fryer, <laughs> and I'll cook you one day in it. Cook you oh, in it. A pancake. Yeah. A pancake with an egg in it. I'm yeah, sure. Exactly. No, he said he's going to cook you one day in it. That's a threat, <laughs> Paul. Yeah. That's a lot of counter space if you're cooking me in there. <laughs> I'll chop you up into little pieces and stack you up in it. Jesus, yeah. this is the evidence right here. Yeah. Right, should we uh, swiftly move on to what we're actually talking about today? I hope so. I hope we'll do that. Okay, well, before we get to that, let's just say, quickly, if you we've got a Patreon channel. You can get to our Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters, where you can get exclusive content, exclusive episodes. You get to come on the show. You get to... Uh, just basically get really fun you get to run the show exclusive things from us yeah you can run the show pretty much and guess what you can get loads of stuff just for one pound you can get over 40 episodes just for one pound but there's many different tiers on there and it's all a very lovely place we've got some very lovely people nice little family over there and uh, what we're we doing today after this episode on the patron adam we are going to talk about our favorite films of october that we watched we do this every month it's a little roundup um if you're lucky enough, you can see our faces sometimes. If you pay enough money for that. Oh, yes. Um, mm. Yes, that's what we do. But all the monthly episodes are available just for one pound. Yeah. So you could see this immediately after this episode. We have also recently fancy. changed our tiers and what you get. So if you look before, look again. Yes. It's uh, a lot more benefits now. Yeah. So come and head join. over there. Come and www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters and have a bit of fun. Ben... 
Should we do our staple of every episode? Staple of every episode is the quiz. New listeners and old listeners alike. Every episode, I ask the boys two questions. If they get the questions right, they get a point. If they get the questions wrong, I get the point. We're running towards the end of the year. And at the end of the year, whoever's got the most amount of points becomes the host next year. Currently, it's looking like that's going to be Paul because he's on 29 points. But I'm in second place with 24 and Adam's in third place with 22. The questions are always about the film that we're covering that week. This week's film is Blue Steel. Are you ready for the first question, boys? Yep. Yes. I know someone was paying attention to this. Oh, I hope so. As a rookie cop, what is Turner's badge number? Oh, man. Yeah, fuck. I was thinking, maybe I should write that down, but I, I never did. I never did. 42069. Oh, 69. Yeah. I mean, he's gone for weed and sex as the number combination there. He's wrong. I feel like if you're going to make it a number, they're probably going to make it that. If it was made today, it would definitely be that in a separate Oakland film. Yeah. And Paul, what would your guess be then? Uh, he's, be... I'll tell you what, he's, he's right in that it's five digits long. Okay. Six, eight, yeah, five, four, yeah. three. <laughs> Do you know what? You I got the second. You got the I second just, and the third I just digit. End right. up ascending numbers. That I didn't even realise. <laughs> it's double eight, double five, two. I was so sure of it that as I was watching the movie, I was like, "Well, I know both boys, or particularly Paul, oh, really? is probably going to make a note of that badge number." Yeah. I, I did um, kind of want to, but I just never did. There you go. So that's a point to me. Next well question: Tom Sizemore's criminal who gets blown away by Turner early in the film, mm-hmm. is called what in the credits? Oh, man. Blown away, uh, cop. Crook. No. Robber. <laughs> You're both wrong. The answer is wool cap. Wool cap? Wool cap. Because he's wearing oh, a, wool, wool a wool cap. cap. Right, wool, wool cap. Wool. This is the worst wool. quiz I've ever been in in my life. <laughs> you, what are you talking about? That that is a wonderful question. Wallcap is he referred to? He's not even that, Mr. Wallcap. Mr. Wallcap. Do you know what that means, boys? It means I have gotten both points this week, and that makes things pressurised on Paul again. Just like an air fryer. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Paul is that heated fan at the top of an air fryer, applying pressure to me and Adam. And what happens in an air fryer? It makes what's below crisp up and swell and get bigger. So is Adam crisping up right now? <laughs> Adam's like the pan at the bottom just holding onto my chicken fillet. What yeah. an analogy. Yes. So it's 29 to Paul, 26 to Ben, 22 to Adam, all to play for as we Adam's come into this final away. stretch. Adam's slipping very far Adam, away. Adam is slipping. How is anyone going to get these right, these bullshit questions? Well, listen... All you need to do is, did either of you watch the credits of this film? No. They did roll up pretty quickly suddenly. Yeah, I did watch it for a bit. How, yeah. How could you not watch the credits? Like, they overlaid the final shot. Because as soon as the film does that, I'm like, I, I skip a little bit forward to think and see if anything's happening. And then I just turn the thing off. Oh, you need to sit and allow the credits a couple... This is a conversation to be had another time. But when a film ends... I'm not, I'm not for shutting it off or walking off. I, like, I need to sit for a minute or two with the music. Let it let just cut, decompress a little. Allow the music to send me on my way. See if there's anything of particular note with those cast members. I want them to give me the the freeze frame credits with with the actors' names over the stills. Oh, I see. Yeah, you wish yeah. it was Predator. That would have been nice. <laughs> anyway, that's it. Well, congrats. Should we move on to the film? No, I'm annoyed now. Let's do it. This poor guy bought it on the Upper West Side tonight. If it wasn't so bald, it would be stupid. All homicides were this easy. 
Give me an answer to this. I have no idea. Get an idea. Get two ideas. Think, Megan. Hard. Aren't there any other Megan Turners in New York? Yeah, one. Megan Augusta Turner, 86 years old, lives in a nursing home in the Bronx. We're checking, but I'd say it's an exercise. Doesn't sound like the kind of girl that gets her name put on a bullet. I don't think of myself as the kind of girl who gets her name on a bullet either. Learn something new about yourself every day. Where were you around midnight? Sleep. The officers walk around me. Okay. Come on, Megan. You're a pretty girl. Uh, maybe you throw over somebody had a violence no. streak, an old boyfriend no. or something. What? No old boyfriends? Had a personal problem? All right. How about an acquaintance? Look, I don't know anybody. I, my mom, my dad, my friend Tracy, her husband John. I mean, current boyfriend? No. You know, there's a chance it's not me. True. Could be Augusta, 86. I mean, maybe this perp has got to think for oxygen tanks, but I doubt it. I think somebody out there likes you. Hello, everyone. Today we're talking about Blue Steel from 1990 by Catherine Bigelow. This is a spoiler episode. So if you've not seen the film, then we're going to spoil it terribly for you. So you might want to go watch it, come back, and enjoy everything we have to offer. Before we move on to Adam's plot description, I'm going to talk about some people who have been on episodes we've done before on this podcast. First of all, it's an obvious one. Jamie Lee Curtis. What has she been in? Three films. What could they possibly be? <laughs> <laughs> I'm clueless. Halloween 2018, Halloween Kills, and Halloween Ends. Do you, do you have any more guesses for people who have been in this film that have done other episodes? So Clancy Brown, but, it's, but I can't think what he's been in. He's been in The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, I see. Who was he in that? Where. I don't remember. I, hate, I, I mean, I could believe it. He has yeah. that aesthetic. Yeah, especially with that name. <laughs> now, here's one. Doesn't Clancy Brown sound like he should be like uh, a black musician? I was about to say that, like a blues singer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I could see that. Who am I thinking of? There's someone called Clancy something. No who idea. is a, a black musician. No idea. From like the 50s. Mm. I cannot help you. Adam, bring your musical knowledge. I don't know. You fucking rubbish. Hang on. Black <laughs> Mr. musician Clancy. Nothing comes up. Forget it. <laughs> well, you'll never know. Any more this. guesses than other people? I'm guessing. I don't What's know his, his name? name. He was in a film, and you said, oh my god, I've watched so many films with him in recently. Oh, Tom Sizemore. Yeah, he's been all over. Yeah, I mean, Tom, have he's we been in another him? film. Another film we've done before. Has he? Oh, let me think. We, we always return to this same group of films when we find actors in other film. Other it's stuff. not a Marvel one, is it? I don't believe no. he would do Marvel. No, no, no. He's in the Tony Scott run. Oh, true romance. Yes, correct, correct. We have one more person. everybody has been in these films. Yes, yeah. it's, the, it's a, a person who's also been in, in one of the best shows ever. What, who's in this film? Yeah. Well, we've already said Tom Sizemore. He was in Twin Peaks The Return. No, we're talking about Richard Jenkins. Who plays the lawyer. Oh, yeah. What movie has he been in that we've done? In one of my favourite films. (laughs) 
that we've done the podcast that you guys don't like? Joker. Ah, oh, Burn After Reading. Burn After Reading. Yes, Very he's the good. gym manager. There you go. Very that's it. good. That's everyone. Adam, plot summary, please. Quite, quite a mix there. <clears throat> this film is about Jamie Lee Curtis. End. Yeah, <laughs> end. That nugget got stuck in his throat. <laughs> no, this film is about Jamie Lee Curtis. He's a cop. And uh, she's trying to track down a bad person. But the bad person's like, oh, I go for you. I want to hang out with you. Let's, I'm going to stalk you. Right, sir. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's true. There you yeah. go. That's it. That's it. Um, ben, do you have anything interesting to say about this film? Uh, yeah, okay. So this was uh, directed by Catherine Bigelow and produced by Oliver Stone. Um, after Near Dark, Blue Steel was Bigelow's induction into the Hollywood mainstream of movie making. Though, filming in New York... And the movie studio's flailing fortunes meant production was far from smooth sailing. Um, her intention was a new slant on a familiar genre. So she said, Catherine Bigelow said, it all began with the idea of doing a woman's action film. Not only has no woman ever done an action thriller, no woman has ever been at the centre of one as the central character. From that takeoff, deciding to put a woman in the centre, we worked out what the ramifications would be. Nonetheless, while she did say that Blue Steel was a progression of the genre, she downplays its progression of gender, saying, I subscribe to feminism emotionally and I sympathise with the struggles for equity, but I think there's a point where the ideology is dogmatic. So I'm not saying Blue Steel is a feminist tract per se, but there's a political conscience behind it. That's a very convoluted way of saying something incomprehensible I think but I just wanted to t- take her words there mm-hmm. um, Catherine Bigelow actually used to be a painter and I think there's a strong whiff of like her painter origins in this because there's a lot of colour theory in a lot of the scenes um, it's been noted that the character of Eugene shares a lot of similarities with Son of Sam serial killer David Berkowitz such as being referred to as the 44 Magnum Killer, killing in New York, hearing mm. voices before he kills. Um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Clancy Brown both shadowed the New York Police Department for weeks in preparation for the film, and the film was not a box office success at all. And finally, Wilhelm von Homburg was considered for the role of Eugene, but was unavailable due to filming commitments as Vigo the Carpathian in Ghostbusters 2. Oh, Wow. Yeah, we could yeah. have had Vigo the Carpathian as the villain in this is, well, instead. that would have changed things up a bit. It would have. Mm. And why are they? Why is Catherine acting like aliens didn't come out? So mm. I had a thought about that, and I think what she's saying is that rather than a, a genre piece of, like, that's a sci-fi. Right. She wants to it's, just, yeah. It's a, like a female action film. I know what you mean, because obviously we, we have James Cameron doing mm. that yeah. brilliantly. Mm-hmm. But I think it's more like... Let's put a woman front and centre of an action thriller. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Well, this is your pick, Ben. So you get to decide whose order you want, whose first impression, first, second, all right. and last. We're going to jumble it all up. So Adam's going to go first, I'm going to go middle, and Paul, you're going to go last. Okay. Okay. So, um, I don't really know how I feel about this film. I, oh dear. Jamie Lee Curtis is absolutely fantastic in it. She's brilliant. Um, but apart from that, I couldn't really give a shit about anything else and kind of almost remember anything else that happened in this film. It is just the Jamie Lee Curtis show, in my opinion. 
um, and she's way too good for this film and the character and everything she does in it it's just like it's almost on a different level to everything else in this film uh, she's given it everything and no one else can seem to be bothered to give a shit in my opinion uh, it's a bit weird I got a lot a lot lost but distracted and bored um, but yeah I don't know let's talk that's my opinion <laughs> that's my hot take that's a that's going to go in the enemy next week in the movie review section okay that was a hot take Mm. I thought you would like it more than that actually for me I thought this was thrilling I really expected I don't I don't know why I did but I expected this to be a bit more of a cheese fest thriller like something a bit more typical but what I got was something much grittier and subversive this female cop who's got pressure within the job from her colleagues after the shooting, pressure from her family who don't want her to be police, pressure from her best friend who wants her to fill the traditional female role of oh, just get a boyfriend when you're going to have kids, being boxed in and obsessed over by a man with a gun fetish. And I think even though it strays sometimes from my action thriller to almost like a repurposed slasher, I think it works better than most horror films because the terror is very, very real particularly for Jamie Lee Curtis, but for, for women, the terror that women face. And I think, personally, yes, you're right, that it is the Jamie Lee Curtis show to an extent, but I think, even beyond that, apart from Halloween, I think this is the best thing she's ever done, apart from her participation in the Halloween. And I think that the side characters, whether it's Clancy Brown as Nick or that guy Ron Silver who plays Eugene, I think they are so layered and three-dimensional, it feels like a complete package. It's not like, oh, just Jamie's holding up the film. And I can totally imagine, I don't know if you feel this way, we'll see, but I can totally imagine people not liking Eugene and seeing him being over the top and ridiculous. And I had some concerns about how they started handling his characters. But actually, I thought by the end, I thought it was a great portrayal of a truly unhinged unhinged man. And of course, with Catherine Bigelow behind the camera and Jamie Lee Curtis in front of the camera, the female point of view is it's not just like this helpless fucking woman, although she is being put upon she can fight back she's she's clever she's smart she's got her police training she has she knows what to do and what not to do we see her blow several people away not because she's trigger happy but because she's just as good as the men she doesn't need to rely on the men to to help her i think is a very efficient thriller i think the twists and the turns and the shocks that come from eugene's character really fucking worked for me like halfway through the film the fact that he reveals his intentions to her i was like where does this film go now because I thought we were just going to build up to that to the end. But he revealed it, and then the film moved in a different direction, and I really appreciated it. I had a couple of problems with it, which we'll go into, but I I was very uh, happy with it. Interesting. Okay. So, from the off, I was into this film. Like, the the ethereal score, like the cold metal metal visuals of the gun in the titles. I, I also quite like the the trope of um of having a policeman going through like hostage situations <laughs> only to realise it's like a training exercise. I like that kind of trope in films. It's nice. Um I get a little kick out of that. Jamie Lee Curtis is lovable as fuck as she always is. And she has a sense of like swagger about her in this film. Especially when she's walking down the street that first first time she gets her uniform on and everyone's yeah. like looking at her. It's very, very welcome. I like it. Um, and then something strange happened. This man, this psychotic killer, played by Ron Silver, he shows up and I say, fuck me. 
this is a guy that was just in the film Time Cop, which I really didn't like. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I really didn't like him. And, and, and uh, in that film and in this film, he plays exactly the same character. He's this smarmy, smarmy businessman with this, like, he's kind of a little bit cocky. And I hated him. I hated him in Time Cop. And it just carried over from, from that <laughs> film to this film. I was like, fuck me, he's in this film as well. Oh, dear. And you, you would think that, you know, that would help this film as he's like playing a bad guy. But it just annoys me. Whenever I see his face, it really annoyed me. And I think it made, I don't think he really well aware from these two films. I think it, he went, I think time, uh, time Cop might have come after this or before this, but it probably was after this, actually. But they just were like, yeah, do that same thing you did. <laughs> and I was like, oh, fuck me, man. It's like, in this, he's attempting to play some, like, offshoot Patrick Bateman character. Like, he's just he's just his businessman who just loses it. And it's like, but if, if Patrick Bateman's, his actions are actually in the public eye, yeah, it's corny and just happening for no apparent reason at all. And it really put me off of this film because of it. And then, and then it just started aggravating me as to why everyone was so against Curtis's character. Like, all, I just kept seeing everything as a flaw in this film. And it's like, why aren't you believing her? And it's like, once again, it's based in reality, women in the workplace. But I'd already been annoyed by Ron Silver, so it was annoying me. <laughs> right? The fact that she just let her dad off, even though he'd clearly been beating her for years. That annoyed me. But yes. it's probably Ron Silver's fault. Um, <laughs> uh, the rape scene. Hated it. Because Ron yes. Silver was there and he was doing the raping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ron Silver ruined this film for me. And he might be a quite nice guy in real life. But to me right now, you're a smarmy fuck. <laughs> I don't like you. So he ruined this film he for you. He ruined the film for me. I saw him and I was like, fuck, man. He did ruin the film. Same like, guy. One character can do that much bad in the film. Yeah. See, yeah, it's it, like it's like the Corey thing in Halloween Ends. If you don't like Corey and you're not on board with Corey, that, that's just going to ruin the film for you. He's the centerpiece. He's what's revolving around Jamie Lee Curtis in the film. And I'm like, oh, man, I just wow, don't man. like you. Do you know what? Let me tell you this. That I may be showing my cards early. Yeah. I honestly think he is going to be my best character of all these films when we oh, do the wrap up. <laughs> I get what you're saying. And I could see how you take it that way. Just like with Corey, you either like, like him or you don't. But mm. at first, when we're introduced to him and he picks that gun up, and we see him at the stock market. I thought, yeah. oh, this is interesting. It's quite subdued. It's like someone who's tantalized by the gun and the idea of now having it. And then he went real quickly and killed that man. And it was like, oh, right, that came out of nowhere. But then the more we saw him, it was like, no, the fact that he's waiting for Jamie Lee Curtis as well and gets involved in her life and takes her up in that helicopter. And you can see his state of mind, which is people are fucking ants. People are beneath me. He works in this real high pressured stockbroker environment where this pressure cooker has been going off inside of him, which has forced him to, to become this way. I think he's unhinged anyway, but the environment he works in, highly stressful, has finally flipped him. And this fetishization of the gun and her seeing her blow this guy away has made this psychosexual connection for him with her and the gun and the more he became unhinged and unhinged the more i went with it i was like i I can actually believe this and every time he popped up in that second act after he reveals what who he is to her i was like fuck when he pops up behind her and kills her friend i was like i did not see that coming Mm. when when he's waiting for her at Jamie Lee Curtis's 
parents' house, I was like, oh my God, this is almost unbearable. I, I sort of shouted out loud, I'm by myself. And I, I was like, oh my God, because I couldn't believe how he kept coming back like that. It, it was like a Michael Myers type thing of, there he is again, there he is again, stalking, stalking. It did go over the top in moments, but I had bought into his like descent enough for it not to irritate me. See, for me, I... I don't think it laid the cards well enough for me to actually buy into why he was like he was. I'm, it just I'm kind cool. of it just felt just, a bit it just, weird. It felt like a- I think you're yeah. I think you're you're reading into it more than it's actually given you, right? Because you're 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 just saying oh it's because everyone's beneath him blah blah blah. But I think it just happened and he decided he just wanted to do it one day and that's not a good enough reason for me. You're just deciding, and then suddenly he's got all these these uh, trouble trouble with his mind, and he's like hearing voices and stuff. And it's like, where did this come from? It's just suddenly this happening. And then yeah, when when he he appeared behind Jamie Lee Curtis, I was like, oh okay, you, you're surprising me now. I didn't see this coming. That's surprising. But then people, everyone around Jamie Lee Curtis, it was annoying me. It was like, just believe this woman, right? Clearly, this guy is fucking stalking her. Clearly, he tried to fabricate a relationship with her, right? And he's doing something dodge. Why is no one believing her? And then by the time he shows up in the mum and dad's house, like, of course, it's led to this. Like, Sonny's just showing up. Why is no one giving her any kind of protection from this person? But uh, like, come uh, on. And then, I know, but that is the frustration of life. In 1990, Catherine Bigelow saying women aren't believed even now we know when women complain about things men stalking them harassing them they're not believed or they're not taken seriously so 32 years ago in a film about a female police officer like it's very easy it may be frustrating but true to life that her peers her colleagues people like lawyers are like we don't trust you we don't believe you you know nick mann had her back he was yeah. skeptical, but he was Absolutely. like, "Work alongside me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch you." He did. The people who didn't really believe her is a Richard Jenkins, terrible lawyer. His self interest is his client, so of course not. The superior at the station wanted to fire her because, yeah, he's probably a bit sexist, and he's like, "Oh, emotional woman." But that it was set up well enough for it not to just be, "Oh, they didn't believe the woman." The fact that there was no gun at the scene was a great twist, Bullshit. which I didn't see coming after that. Bullshit. There was three other people there. I know, but only one witness would speak to them, and the one witness said it could have been a gun, it could have been a knife. I couldn't tell. Oh, fuck that shit! He had a fucking gun in his hand, pointing it. There is too many <laughs> holes like, in this that, film. There is so many. You cannot deny that he's not carrying a gun. He's waving it around. He's probably standing there for about ten minutes. It's like you can understand what's a gun and a knife. It's like that. They needed that just so they can make the story happen. They could have made it a little bit more believable, where he's maybe he's hiding. He maybe he's hiding it in his jumper or something. But he was out in full show, and you could see it. And he points the gun. He's he's talking to the police officer, and he points the gun at her as well. And it's like, come on. Yeah, I mean, yes, he he does. But if there is no gun to be found at the scene when the police turn up, but that, is, that, is, that is just not believing your your police officer and not believing the witnesses as well. Who? But that's it. The the film wants you to believe. Oh yeah, none of the witnesses want to come forward. It's fine. Okay, even, though but, even though the criminal's dead. All right, but then let's put that in modern day sensibilities, right? Hot button, hot topic. Let's assume... Oh, fuck. I don't know if I want to go here. Yeah, fuck it. In the George Floyd situation, mm. right? Let's say that that cop who was kneeling on his neck said he had a gun pointed at us. And one or two witnesses around there were like, yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw that he had a gun 
pointed at the cop and then there's no gun to be found no evidence that he had a gun other than a couple of eyewitnesses saying yeah I th- I, I'm pretty sure there was a gun what mm. the, the, the it would we be satisfied if the police force came out and said we just have to support our officer well that's, we believe that's the him. thing isn't it you're but you're always getting going to be outraged at the one who's who's clearly in the right <laughs> yes I know in this yeah. situation I'm outraged because the clear guy clearly had a gun I know I know and I think it's just it's just a little an easy way out that they can make the story go in the right direction and it's just that, it's that she was getting stopped at every kind of turn she made and in a, in, a, in a better film with a better villain I could be with that but it's just the fact that this guy I I did not believe him to be the, 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 well I didn't believe his path from where he was he just suddenly was erratic and out of control where he was just this guy you know who's in a supermarket just shopping and he's, yeah, he's but, working in the stock market uh, but that's exactly it mate isn't it this is could be anyone as far as we but there's no there's no there's no like kind of progression it just are you happens. telling me the minute that you saw that man in the supermarket you weren't sus the minute I saw that man, I was like, fuck me, why is this guy in Time Cop in this? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I checked, Time Cop is four years later, so yeah. this film well, did it first. He's he's gone downhill, hasn't he, from here? <laughs> I, I, well, yeah. But, you know, uh, the minute that we saw him, we have no prior for him, so that's all we got. So the first interaction with him is him hitting the floor. We can see he's kind of obsessed by the situation, and he sneaks the gun off. Already that's clear. You know, we've had, there's no character building up to that point for him so that's our entry point for him so already we know he's unhinged when you see him on the stock market screaming and sweating and looking like he's about to pass out it's that high pressure environment i think it's exactly what um the writer of american psycho was trying to say as well is these high pressured emotionless um career paths where there's a lot of money at stake high stress environments where it's largely men around men it attracts people of a certain disposition, psychopaths, sociopaths, people operating off of drugs and speed and cocaine and high-fueled alcohol. He has no family to speak of. He lives alone, just like Jamie Lee Curtis lives alone, dedicated to her job. He's the flip of her. He's absolutely dedicated to his job, but he's dedicated to the way of life that comes with it, which is high-stress, high-octane environments. All he needed, it was almost like he just needed the final thing to make him snap. And the final thing that makes him snap is seeing this woman connected to a gun where he has this twisted fucking... Um, addiction fetish for blowing this man away and he then connects sex attraction violence with his like baser instincts and that's once it took me a while to connect that i obviously didn't know that at first but by the time you see that he is drawing her into this weird perverted game inviting her to dinner and stuff it became quite clear that he'd blurred the lines in his head and i i bought the descent and even though it went outlandish I bought it enough to enjoy it. I bought it not on a, oh, this is very realistic level, but on a, this is entertaining me level. Like mm. him popping up at the parents later and stuff like that and popping up on the stairwell. In real life, of course, it wouldn't be like, oh yeah, of course she didn't see him. And oh yeah, it's convenient that Jamie Lee Curtis was out with her dad. I mean, that was the whole reason Jamie Lee Curtis went out with her dad. It was just to, for us to get that reveal of him being there when she gets back. But it yeah. was entertaining. I found that very entertaining by that point in the film. That's what I mean. It kind of shifts up to the point where he reveals his true intentions. It's like a film of two halves. The first half is kind of like drama, psychological. The second half becomes more of a thriller, um, over-the-top thriller. And I enjoyed both both parts of it. But I do mm. take your point and complaints about him. Recently, Ben, you have such a good way of describing films. Like that film you described there is a million times better 
the, the film I watched here. But that is the film that you watched. I it's know, just that, that's, that's it, how I, just, I enjoyed it. The way, I mean, I guess if you saw all of that straight away, I don't think I saw all of that straight away, but that sounds, I mean, it sounds correct. And like you just talking about these films recently is like much more entertaining than the actual film itself. Well, maybe I should be a fucking filmmaker then. You should be. <laughs> get your points across. You could have improved this, yes. Tell me your thought. You haven't said anything about this man. I just didn't believe him. I just didn't really... It just felt all just so... This is happening. It felt a bit lazy and a bit just, okay, he's now suddenly obsessed with her. And I get why, but at the same time, it just felt... It, it, for me, it just felt like they've got her... They got Jamie Lee Curtis to sign up for a film and they're like, what can we do? We'll give her this. And apart from that, they didn't really think of much more. I knew it would probably make money. But apart from that, that's where the kind of the fault in this film stopped. I mean, it didn't make bank, man. It was a box office fucking failure. I know, but they thought it might do. I just I just didn't mm. believe him. I, I, I agree with what Adam says about, um, I don't know why... Why are you so obsessed with her either? I, I did not get the reason. Like, yes, he saw her kill someone, but it's like, so you're making a link that you're the same kind of person because you killed someone? It's like, this bit, it's a bit of a weak link to be so obsessed with someone. His, in that moment, I think it was a chemical snap for him because he suddenly saw that there's a reason that they over-dramatized that blowing away. Like, it was so over the top. She shot him to shit. He flew through the glass window. It was very elaborate. And I didn't think that was for an audience at home to be going, oh, yeah, fuck, yeah. It clearly wasn't that. It was almost like to be like, look how dramatic and explosive this moment is for Eugene on the floor. There's the gun in front of him. It's like it's almost like a sexy secret that he pockets it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. And when, when he's looking at that gun and whatnot, he's connected her very much to this moment where things have snapped for him. But like, I think he was on the brink, on the brink of being this person. Like everyone has got to have that first kill, right? Before they, they go mad. He was on the brink. That happened. He connects it to her. I just feel like they could have laid the breadcrumbs a bit better because I don't feel like the the pathway from him to shop in the supermarket, then he's going to, yes, he's in like a high and high um, energy job, but I wanted to see a little bit of breakdown before he decided to kill someone. He just got the gun and then he just took it out and killed someone. I was surprised that he killed that person as uh, like that. I thought he was actually just going to point the gun at him and enjoy him being scared. I thought it could be an accident. He accidentally kills him and then he gets a taste for it. Maybe that mm. would have been a better route for it to happen. But him just going, pointing the gun, shooting, it's like, look at me, I'm suddenly a psycho now. Yeah. I think, and then and then talking about him, him showing up in the uh, the parents' house, I um, I was already pissed off because the fact that she just let the dad off, even though he'd clearly been beating her, his mum, her mum, this whole time, and he just got an easy way out. And then as soon as the dad comes back in the house, he's all remorseful, whatever, and they're just like, "Oh, hi, hi, how are you?" And he's so nice to this guy. I, I agree entirely. I think that like, made no sense. You fuck. It's like, you're so horrible. And now you're suddenly, yeah, I'm a really nice guy to this Ron Silver. 
I, I agree. It made no sense. His character had a complete transformation. It was. Yeah. I, I think it was a very lazy and stupid choice to have her take her dad out as if she was going to arrest him, which was mm. satisfying in the moment. But then when you realise it was just an excuse for her to leave the house with him yeah. so that you could have the scene of Ron Silver being there waiting. Like, mm. yeah, that was a lazy choice. However... I enjoyed that moment when she walks into the house and Ron Silver's there. Like I say, I was literally like, oh my God. <laughs> I said it out loud <laughs> to myself. It's like, that's how in the moment I was like, this fucker's working for me, man. This is working. <laughs> I, and look, I'm not disagreeing with you guys entirely. I do think, yes, there was a certain point in the movie, I can't remember when it was, but I thought, look, this guy... He's so obviously some sort of creep. It escalates only because he found a gun. He surely had it in him before. But, you know, I don't think we're introduced to him five minutes into the movie. So we can't have any breadcrumbs. So we, our access point is this moment. The key inciting event is her shooting this guy dead in the in the grocery store. We, we're not led. To, we're not given anything to go on before then because our only introduction is to her. So that is our entry point for Eugene. So we have to just assume how he was beforehand and I think by showing the environment that he lives and works in it goes some way to explaining mm. why he would go down that path does he become a bit of a caricature by the end screaming and roaring and, and whatnot yes he does but I'm entertained and brought in enough to the film by that point I can enjoy it yeah, but I think just like Corey how much you believe him I think she's just yeah. she's just incredible in this film it's, I really enjoyed watching her and it's also nice because I've really seen her in probably the Halloween films and then Knives Out and everything everywhere. Mm. And it's nice to see her in like a new role in that era that was kind yeah. of her time. And she was fantastic and I enjoyed her massively. And I thought she was the best thing by far in a film that was a bit cheesy, was a bit sleazy in places. Um, it had its moments, but it really didn't nail anything. Mm. I think that that goes a long way in with Jamie Lee Curtis, doesn't it? When she's she is the emotional heart of her thing, and yeah. you're believing her completely, and like she has she has a journey that she goes on, and you're with her every step of the way. And then with this Ron Silver guy, it's more of a leap of a leap of judgment. You just got to be like, okay, <laughs> I I wasn't with this guy from the beginning, yeah. and now I've just got to believe he's where he is. That's where his 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 uh, mind is right yeah. now. Can I just say, I love Jamie Lee Curtis's commitment to short hair. Apart from Laurie Strode, I think almost mm. every single movie she's in, it's the short hair. I love it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Sometimes it goes a little bit longer, a little bit more, but it doesn't never really goes over her ears. No, it doesn't. And she was great in this because, uh, like, every time, you know, the thing, yeah, let's move away from Ron Silver. We, we know where everyone stands on that. On the Jamie Lee Curtis run, it worked, it sort of sexism angle if you want to call it that institutionalized systemic sexism angle quite well because it wasn't over it wasn't like really obvious it wasn't like her colleague was like you damn broads can't handle a gun nothing like that it was as simple as her boss just not having her back in that moment which mm. is frustrating yes and frustrating to viewers who are on her side but it's frustrating her dad who's like oh, being a cop it's like is it sexism is it that his daughter should actually be in a decent job and be busy getting a man or is it that it's uh he just hates cops but it can be viewed as sexism and the little minute sexist things this is real sexism is her best friend who obviously loves her being like oh let me get you a man let me get you a man because 
her friend can only conceive of her life being, oh, you've got to have a man. Yeah. And uh, like, I've got a man and two kids. Let me set you up with this guy. And then this guy is a fucking jerk who doesn't like the fact that she's a cop. Mm. And, and says all these stupid things. I love that she fucking jerks that guy around as well. When he's like, oh, why did you want to become a cop? And she's like, I, I just want to smash people's face into things. Yeah. I, I did like the angle when she went with things like that. <laughs> and even Tom Sizemore as well. When when yeah. she blows him away, before she blows him away, he's like he almost sneers at her. He's like, oh, get out of my face, baby. Mm. Like deme- mm. demeaning her. All of these little things. I, ble- I I agree. It all it all worked with her side of the story. It all worked for me. It all worked. It's just it's just his. The, it's, the, both sides of the coins aren't good. <laughs> That's all, like only one side is for me. I mean, I there was a different film that could have happened, which is the you like before Eugene went fully unhinged. I thought we were going to see this like two parallel stories running. One is Jamie Lee Curtis facing these charges and not being believed and being dismissed from the force and her having to struggle with that parallel seeing Eugene and his day-to-day work and getting more and more obsessed by the gun. And I thought it was going to culminate in something at the end. So the fact that he killed early was a Mm. surprise and it shifted the gears. And then the fact that he was waiting for her shifted his character again because it's like oh not only does he want to kill he also now wants to play this game with her and then it shifted again when he revealed shit revealed it all to her halfway through the fucking movie and then it shifted again by killing the friend and coming back and coming back like michael myers like a like a new michael myers it was it was fucking bizarre and wild man every time i thought i got the beat of it it, i i threw me off i do agree with you on that sense yeah especially especially when she he he goes and kills the friend I was like, okay, we're going yes. in a direction that's actually shocking me now and making me feel like his character is actually a threat. I think yeah. that was the moment. Like him, him like scampering through the forest trying to bury the gun and all that stuff. I was like, Ugh. I mean, that was strange. I did, yes. I don't know why he had to bury the gun. Why not yeah. just take it home with it? We all know you've, okay. Yeah. And, and I, I, it's got a really weak ending. Yeah, it did have a, the, the, the ending was just a bit like, that's what I'm kind of saying. There wasn't a lot of fault into a lot of this film. Like I didn't understand, seemed... right? It went from her in the hospital and knocking out a policeman, right? She can get done for an assault anyway, but... Uh, she doesn't go... care. She wants to kill the man who killed her best but, friend. But then she's just suddenly and walking who, through a train who, station. raped her. She w- w- suddenly walking through a train station and then just turns around and he's there and it's like, wh- have you arranged this meetup? What's going on? It's not that he, she'd arranged that meetup. It's that she knew that he would follow her oh, wherever just, wherever she went. And no that opening scene, the training exercise, the guy says to her, in this job, you've got to have eyes in the back of your head. And then it cuts to the opening credits. The minute that opening scene happened, I was like, right, at the end of this film, she's going to have to have eyes in the back of her head, which she does because she spins on a spot. And See, I was it. waiting for, for someone to be a bad guy she didn't know. That's no, what I, I got from the first scene. <laughs> that someone she would kill someone, then there'd be another person with a gun that she thought was not a threat. There is a. I wrote this down right. Um, what was it? So you remember the scene? Remember the scene? Of course, you know. After um, um, he's running around digging for his gun mm. in the dirt, like fucking Wolfman. That's what he's like at that point. Yeah. And she has the gun on him and oh no, she doesn't. She has her gun on her chest and she's like, Oh, make a move for it. And then Nick comes up behind her and is like, What's going on? But you can't do anything to him. And she's like, I just want him to take my gun. Because she knows if he reaches for that gun, 
they can blow him away. And instead, Eugene runs off, right? At that point, I paused the movie and I saw there was 20 minutes left. And here I wrote, right, what do I want to happen next? I wrote what I expect to happen and what I (laughs) want to happen. So in expect, I wrote her to blow him away as she catches him out in a final situation. What I want to happen is for him to blow himself away or there be some sort of bitter twist like he dies, but before dying or in the process of dying, he's also killed someone very close to her or incriminates her or something like that. And what I got, as what we all got, was what I expected, but in a way that I very much enjoyed because it did feel like a slasher showdown in a way by that point. I liked Mm. how it had morphed. It was a little bit of yeah, but it just felt a very cheap and a very just ending, and it just ends with her in the car. It's like, is she in trouble still for like killing this guy? Because or has she got away with everything? Everyone's she ain't gonna be in trouble. Like, he's just been firing shots in front of everyone. The in way New York. She, he takes the gun away from her is like he's about to arrest her. No, I think it's just protecting her at that point. I think. Yeah, I did. I did feel like he, the policeman, came there as if he want he needed to like. <laughs> take the gun away from her and like because he didn't understand the situation but i guess that's what i guess that's what a policeman would do though if you're if you're if you're approaching a situation you don't know the two people who are in an altercation yeah that's true and maybe she is going to be in trouble for it because um she was meant to be in hospital and knocked out a cop yeah <laughs> the biggest but- flaw is is fucking ron silver man i can't get past him and that's that's what ruins the film for me at the end of the day it, see like, isn't it interesting yeah I could get I could get past half the stuff that happens in this film if if it wasn't him. Well, I enjoyed his performance mm. very much. Mm. And I wasn't sure if I was going to when he started going fully mad. I agree I that I didn't like him suddenly being rapey. That felt oh, yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah, that that's was very sudden. But I didn't expect that. To, and yeah, and yeah, he literally did rape her, didn't he? he? He did. But then, like, it was combined with her, like, booting him off and him, like, roaring almost. Like, they did something in the sound mix to make his, squ- his like, shout of anguish distorted to almost mm. make him monstrous. Like, he mm. really was running around like Wolfman in that last half hour. But I think if that had been a male director, it would have really been uncomfortable. But it's Catherine Bigelow. So yeah. it's... A female directing another female in a rape scene. So you've got to think that she, whether it was executed well or not, thought that the situation called for it. Natural. I mean, it certainly makes you hate Eugene much more at the end and really want him to go because he does that. But we've obviously seen him murder, but by raping as well, you mm. really want him to get his after that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't like it though. I didn't like. I didn't. I don't necessarily like that that scene. I don't know whether you, whether you can like that scene or think it's. I didn't no. think it was necessary. No, I, I think. don't think so. No. But, um, That's why there are there are these flaws in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Ron, it's 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 kind of at the point. I was when I was watching it, I was like, do I actually really not like this man this much, or is it kind of just become a thing because I've I've fed up that I've seen him in two films consecutively <laughs> possibly I've never seen him in anything before yeah he's, he's literally I think these two two, this and Time Cop are the biggest films he's really done and I think that's like 
that's probably that's probably why <laughs> he never got brought back. Maybe other people yeah. hated him too. <laughs> like what he's in he was in oh no wait, he's been in Romancing the Stone. He was a nineties guy then. Yeah, he was in the Entity. Um, I've seen Entity, but I can't remember him in that. Ali as well, two thousand and one. That's his best film, but I'm sure he was a very small role. He was Angelo Dundee. Whoever that is. Yeah, Romance in the Stone. Man, yeah. It's a it's an odd one that some person can just ruin a film for you, but that's what happened. It's a shame. But that's, you know, a couple of films back to back where this has been the situation for Adam. It was it was um Corey. Mm. And for you it's uh, Eugene. And yeah. on like I can get it, I can get it on both fronts. I can understand how both characters could isolate you. Yeah. From yeah. the film. If you if you're not bought into it. I've had it with many a film that that you guys have liked as well. That's just it. If if yeah, someone rubs you off the wrong way, it's um makes or breaks. That's why it's a gamble. It's like, you know, if you're the if you're the studio or you're the producers on, on this movie then, right, and you watch that first cut and you you've got two producers and one producer saying, I really don't like this Ron Silver, he's destroying this movie and the other producers like so that's you and I'm the other producer and I'm going I thought that would be the case, but actually by the end, I really bought into him and enjoyed him. Then what's the answer? Mm. What do you mm. do? Yeah. Um, is it is it a case of the actor or the character? Like if you had another actor playing that character, but they then performed in the same way, did the same thing. Well, that, it, that would make it better for me. In this situation, it would make it better for me. So you had no problem with the character and what happened. It was just his performance. Well, this is the thing. Because I didn't like him, I kind of started picking holes in everything else. Because mm. I was just seeing it for a negative lens. Yeah. This is a patron topic at some point. Mm. A film, like top three films that are good or not even good, but are absolutely ruined by one, one character, character. You can't get past. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a shame. We, got, we got a patron trouble coming up. We could shove it in somewhere. Yeah. I mean, what a I, shame. it is a shame. I'm I'm disappointed that the two of you didn't like it. I thought actually thought by the end of this, I thought oh, I think this is going to be a sleeper hit for all of us. So I am sad. I'm sorry yeah. that you two you didn't like it, that it much. as much. Yeah, I did. I, I, I mean, really you've been did. on a bit of a Jamie Lee Curtis binge, haven't you? So yeah, does it help that you've seen her in other films? It's like, well, this is definitely. Yeah, I think so. compared. Yeah, you know why? Because I've realised that the thing is, Jamie Lee Curtis is a great actress, but very often she's in not very good films. And it's Mm. like, she's good in a bad film. I don't know why she picks a lot of bad films to be in, but not always, but quite a few. I want you both to say a thing that you really liked about this film that you haven't said so far. And I'll tell you something that I really didn't like about it that I haven't said so far. Oh, something I liked about this film. Mm. Yeah. Um, um, hmm. I, I just Jamie Lee Curtis is what I liked. Well, what was your favourite scene of her, or, or what was the best bit of acting, or what? <laughs> I quite liked her. Exp- it's going to sound weird, but it, it would kind of sits with the endings of films. But uh, the ending of the film, where she's just sitting in the car. Like, yeah, it was, was a good. Well it was shot believable. Scene. It was well, and it was just like that moment of like you could tell that she was relieved, but and 
lose her the shock of like what comes next. Like she's still like one stage is over, but it's not the yeah. end of it yet. There's still more to go. Like that yeah. silence, like the peace within the chaos, isn't she? She's like she doesn't care now. Whatever happens after to her after this, so be it. But mm. she's got her peace. Yeah, I would say uh, Clancy Brown. I think he's a, I think he's a great actor anyway. But um, I feel like he he has a very menacing quality about him. So you can always almost see him as a bad guy, and that's what he kind of portrays himself as immediately. Mm. Like he's he looks like her kind of nemesis in the office, but then his acting's so great that you kind of warm to him by the end yeah. and it's like as she as he's warm to her you're warm to him and it's like yeah man you you actually you you put the work in and made me actually like your character yeah i'll add to that then as my negative is okay. which i really liked his character as well oh and yeah i agree, Tell, I, agree, I, agree, I agree with the negative then yeah go on what i'm gonna say yeah is that but, she he has her back he's supporting her but then the minute that they fuck yep. romantically kiss it's like that wasn't necessary surely no. we can see men being a friend yeah. a supporter without wanting to fuck her surely and that undermined things a bit and I didn't like that as like it was almost like used as an excuse to then force Eugene to jump out and, and rape her I didn't like that yeah. so I think th- my main problems with the film are these contrived situations that lead to a setting it's like oh he's got to do that so that Eugene jumps out and rapes Jamie Lee Curtis has got to take her dad away so that when she comes back to the house Eugene's waiting absolutely agree um, yeah unnecessary that bit as well but the thing that works overall about the film for me is like all of this shit it's just because a woman tries to make it in a man's world and I know that sounds like oh yep. woman trying to make it in a man's world you can't but it's like it's deeper than that it's like she just wants to do a job her family t- her dad turns back on her friend dismisses her just needs a nice man I um, I feel that I feel that they could have laid up the dad a little bit more anyway as well because I feel like him just saying oh you're a policeman it's like why why is that such a big no no for you but like I say, like it could have been one of two things. It could be he just hates cops, or or you could view it as his daughter being a police officer is a, is of a great disappointment to him because it's like you know, it's a woman. As far as he's concerned, that is a woman overstepping her mark. Yeah, but you know, it's just he hates cops because he beats his fucking wife. He's a fucking disgusting yeah, human. That too. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. like justice. Yeah, he doesn't like authority. I'm the authority in this house. Yes, you gross piece of shit. But you're totally right. <laughs> in that he has a fucking personality transplant once he returns to that house and Eugene's there. And it, that is bad writing, bad plotting yeah. to make her dad like, oh yeah, no, sure, come any time. Sorry, oh, it's hello, good to see, yeah, like, to see you. you. You couldn't care less for your daughter, so why would you care for your daughter's so-called <laughs> friend who's now in here? You know what I liked is, um, what was it? When Eugene and Jamie Lee Curtis are in that scene, and he touches his breast pocket and says, I've got... Yeah, that co- was good. A I cough. What was it? A cough or something like that. Oh, and then Jamie Lee Curtis touches hers and is like, yeah, me too. Something going round or something like that. Just just to make it clear that they are both packing, packing in that yeah. moment. I liked yeah. that. That was, very, that was a clever scene. Yeah, for sure. I agree with that. And also, you mentioned it in your review, and I think we should r- repeat 
the music was very good in it because mm. it was like these sort of like very ghostly yeah like pipes like yes yeah. yeah and it really worked for me that did and it went with that blue lighting mm. and that way that they shot the gun in the opening credits where they were real close to it it was like it's not sexualizing it it felt very cold and distant but yeah, there's so much close ups on it it was like you know all those the bullets going into the barrel it was like look at this thing that is the cause of such obsession for this man but also for fucking Americans obsessed mm. with their guns mm. like life with a gun you could, if you could call that that score anything, you would call it blue steel. It's like literally You're right. that cold. Absolutely. Mm. Is blue steel the name of the move in Zoolander? It is. Yes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Funny. We never made that connection until then. Yeah, I, 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 I didn't know that, but I, did, I, I thought <laughs> that's just me and my little Zoolander quirk. Yeah. Well, I guess with that. And what do you think about the? Um, the graphicness of the gunshots because they're quite dramatic yeah they're good, not particularly good realistic squib work. good squib work mm. especially on the um, Tom Sizemore kill yeah yeah yeah. she really blew him away yeah it was alright fine <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. I thought that that the way that they portrayed it, because at first when he got when Tom Sizemore was blown away like that, I was like, "Oh man, why is it such an over the top kill?" Mm. But then every time we saw these guns going off, it was like it was more about the over the top aesthetic because of the power being, they hold, kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A reminder that these things that these that people can obsess with and car- carry around casually cause such devastation and destruction. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I like—I tell you what, I really liked Nailed at that the hand. end. I really liked at the end when she's up on the street after the subway, and like people are like panicking and whatnot, and you just see that hot dog cart shuffling across the road, and you can see his feet behind oh, yeah. it. I was like, oh man, I like this. I like this. <laughs> that was a good moment. <laughs> it was just like, shuffling it was, behind it. Yeah, shuffling behind. That hot dog water is not going to save him, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that hot dog water is not going to save him. It really was a film with two halves, because the first half was very much drama, psychological drama, and then it shifts into more of a thriller aspect. And I dug it. But it has its, it has its problems and, and whatnot, but there you go. Let's hear your final thoughts, Adam. Not your rating. Um... Yeah, I just I just think it's she's fantastic, but the rest of the film is a bit lazy and not very well made and not convincing enough to um, back up how good she is. Not very well made. Good I Lord. feel there's too many holes in it, and it's all a bit just yeah. Well, dear me, you've been very harsh in the last few uh, films we've reviewed. I think. Yeah. All right, shall we just do our wrap ups then? Shall we do yeah. our scores? I'm ready. Okay, Adam. Oh no! Yeah, Adam. Yeah, I, I'm going to give this film a five out of ten, and all of those Fuck points me. are for Jamie. Five out of ten from Adam. It is an eight out of ten for me. I would love to rewatch this again. I would love to uh, rewatch this with with Jenny as well. Um, I had a great time with it. I thought it was a very good piece of work from Catherine Bigelow, and I thought that Jamie Lee Curtis is in one of her best performances. So I thought it was great. Eight. Uh, just as I said, this is a film of two halves. One side of the coin is great, 
one side of the coin is very bad, so it might as well get a 50-50 split. I'm also on a 5 out of 10. 5 out of 10. Listeners, that means it averages at a 6. And I got news for you. I cannot believe this. Once again, a travesty has occurred on the Film Busters podcast. (laughs) Whoa, it's all the way down there! It is... (laughs) Unless it beats the other four films that are rated a six, it will go into our bottom 20 films covered on this podcast, which can, is an absolute oh. fucking travesty. So let us really. go through. It is a travesty when you look at the, the other six. So here we go. No, because I like those films better. <laughs> Let's go for yeah, it. Yeah, but does Adam. We have to go. So the bottom six, Shazam. This is better than Shazam. Shazam's better. I think... The, I can't remember what I gave Shazam, but going off feeling, I would say this is. You gave Shazam a six, so that's it. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I think this is. I've a logged Shazam gross as a four out of ten at the moment now. So yeah, this is a gross Shazam miscarriage six. of justice. It goes in as the new seventeenth spot in our bottom twenty, meaning that the films worse than it are Shazam. Uh, the films only films better than it. In our bottom 20 are Shazam, Rise of Skywalker and Super Mario Brothers. What that means is Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom comes out of our bottom 20 and into the main of, a, of our thing. Uh, I am shocked and chagrined, folks. And it also Can't. means that this is Ben's first ever film in the bottom 20 of all time. Wow. Wow. Look at that. You're trying to avoid it, but we, we got you. <laughs> we got you. Wow. <laughs> I cannot believe... I'm fully fledged in the bottom 20. I love being down here. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot believe that uh, it's gone down into that bottom 20. I think that is devastatingly harsh. That is pretty nuts. For this film. On that low, but yeah, it's uh, it's Ron Silver's fault. What can I say? Ron Silver has a lot to answer for. Some of the things that we've covered this year that have gotten better than that, Dear Paul, you gave Hard Target a six. Yeah, I'd probably watch that over this. Oh, Jesus, mate. Adam, you give Hard Target a six. Oh, God, this <laughs> this is... We stand by our word, man. This is a dark day. Stand I think this by is, your word. I think this is the worst call this, of the year the thing, as far as I'm it, concerned. It's really, like, Hard, hard Target is, is bad, but at least it's like got a little bit of like stupidness about it. you can kind of like be like okay this is dumb and that's the only reason i'm enjoying it where this is just like i'm hating ron silver the whole whole way through paul you just said hard target is stupid and dumb in what world does that make that a better film than hard target which isn't trying to be stupid or dumb no i said hard target is stupid and dumb no no i'm I, sorry i mean how is it better than this which is not trying to be stupid and dumb oh because i hate because i hate ron silver I'd rather have something silly than have something I'm hating. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Killer. Killer. Absolute killer. <laughs> Adam, you are on a terrible run in my books. Halloween Ends, a four. <laughs> Blue Steel, a five. Super Mario Brothers, a three. I'm Listen, not sure we can be friends much longer. This- this is this is um yeah this is this is the difference right <laughs> yeah, you just said Super Mario Bros <laughs> as if that was supposed to be better than this I agree Super Mario Bros is better but Adam how do you feel that Super Mario Bros is actually like higher than than uh, Blue Steel I yeah. uh, I actually in a weird way would rather rewatch Super Mario Bros than this well in 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 some ways I probably would as well 
like just well, there you go. Uh, out of interest folks let's see if i would have saved it those bottom films shazam it's better than that skywalker it's better than that super mario brothers i would have to think about that it's better than jurassic world for me um super mario brothers i don't know i'd have to live with this film a little longer to know if it was better or not to be honest Paul will ask me in the coming days so that he can put it in our individual rankings yes, that we don't reveal course. to you guys. And I'll have to have a think about whether or not it's better than Super Mario Brothers. I'm unsure at this well, point in time. That'll be an exciting day when I find out. <laughs> well, that is but the I end will of tell you it's still, better man. than Wild at Heart, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, no. <laughs> it's not. For me, for me, it's better than Wild at Heart. That's all of our opinions. Yeah. yeah. That's just your opinion, man. Well, that is the end of it. Uh, we've actually got one uh, review from one of our very good friends on Twitter and one of our very good patrons. Do you want to hear it? Yes, Let's hear it. This is from Mr. Luke Human, and he says, Set in the last ages of New York's crime era, Blue Steel is drenched in an atmosphere that is weirdly comforting. A great premise, but the Bateman-esque Eugene is not fully explored, and the final act strays unexpectedly into bad erotic thriller territory. Good, but not great. Should we see what he gave that film? I reckon that sounds like a six or a seven to me. He gave it a seven. You're correct. Nah. There you go. But yes, kind of the same problems that me and Adam have with it, really. Yeah. But we just mm. heightened the problems on our end. Yeah. I think we've touched on this in the past before about... I don't like as much explanation as to why so- someone is a certain way. Mm. Yeah. I like Which to is explore probably why I enjoyed someone. it more. Yeah, I like to explore it. That's what I get a kick out of. Yes, That's the difference. Yes, yes. Well, not with, but not with Michael Myers really. I like I like the I like the psychology behind like what other people think about him. Like Jamie Lee Curtis mm. thinking about why he's she's been followed by him. But I don't necessarily need it for him. But mostly, I like a good kind of study on a on a villain. That's better for me. I agree. A study on a villain is mm. is very interesting, but it depends what the film is. Like if you've got, you know, here's one. You know, Seven. Yeah. We don't really have a backstory for John Doe. We don't know why no. he is the way he is or how no. he is that way. But he's such a great character. We don't need it. Yeah, it's like because it, his his plot is better than him. The actual villain. It's like the thing he's doing is the yeah, amazing yeah. thing. Yes. Okay. Well, there you go. There you go. I guess uh, we've got to tell everyone what we're doing next episode now. The last film of our 1990 run. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's another a, patron it's pick, a bonus. isn't it? Yes. we got a little bonus patron pick from the guy who literally just gave us a review. This is from Mr. Luke Human, and we are going to a 1990 horror from Tom Savini. We're doing Night of the Living Dead, the remake. Yeah, I've never yes. seen this. I've Neither seen have it. I. I have intentionally. I, I uh, won't tell anyone how I feel because I've no, seen both the original and this one. But um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting talk. I'm, I'm, I look forward to seeing what you think, Ben, because you high, hold the first one up very high, don't you? Yeah, as a little prelude to next week, listeners, I think it is going to be interesting because Paul, away from the podcast, Paul and I have had a back and forth, can't remember when, about his thoughts on the original Night of the Living Dead and mine. Mm. Mm. So it's going to be very interesting to see. I've, I'm going to have to rewatch the original as well, so I have it as a comparison in mind. I would suggest—I mean, you don't have to—and we're not going to talk about the original, but I would recommend 
Adam, if you haven't seen the original, to also watch the original I've as well as the, the remake. Original, yeah. Okay. I'm going to rewatch it before watching the, the remake, I think. Beautiful. And that's that. And that'll be the end of our 1990 round. The original so, yes. is on BBC iPlayer. Good. Look at that. And then you can all prepare for me to name Eugene as my favourite character from these round <laughs> films. <laughs> I, I don't know what Detective it. John Kimball will think about that, but there you go. <laughs> oh, how can you pick him over Kimball, man? <laughs> it's because Kimball's too obvious. You know I That's give Kimball nuts. 10 out of 10. I love the man, but I need to stray away from that. We'll see. We'll see. He's second I f- place. Eugene is speaking to me right now, so. <laughs> well, that's the end of the review. So let's move on to what our patrons have to say this week. Uh, just so you guys know, uh, our Patreon channel at www.patreon.com forward slash filmbusters. Our patrons get to say what they've been watching the past week or so and uh, whether they're good or bad and just let us know whether we should watch them or avoid them. Good. You can become a patron, you know, just for a quid, as we just say. But yes, but you can also become a patron just like the likes of Mr. Jason Clarkson, who's just very nicely upgraded his tier. It's all very nice. Thank you, Mr. Jason Clarkson. Yes, he is now the top, top man. Mm. We also have one of our new patrons, J- uh, Francis Ciberini. J. Francis Ciberini. <laughs> I wouldn't yes. say Jason again. But. <laughs> Cheers, Francis. You should also be checking out his uh, YouTube channel yes, as well. He likes we to talk a lot of shit. Plug that. He's currently Very talking about things he hates that people do in films. Very good. Uh, we also have Andy Bishop, Paul's holiday honeymoon friend. Oh, yes. yes, indeed. We have Mr. Ben from Film Floggers. We've also got Mark and Steve from Movie Drone. We do. We've insulted with our hairdo chat recently. Yeah. We have Home Video Hustle all the way from the US still showing love. Yes. We have next week's pick patron, Mr. Luke Human. Yes, we also have Fiona Stewart. We have Sean Panda Nicholson, the gent himself. We have Mr. Nerdrevert, all the way from Albuquerque, but then he moves somewhere. Yeah. I can't I remember moved, where. I think he moved oh, to Albuquerque. He was from in Texas. Texas, and then he went to Albuquerque. We haven't done that in so long, I forgot the order. I forgot I which one he moved the to. The man who is still in Texas, though, is Julio. Yes, that's correct. He's still in Texas. The man who's rocking the back around blind hoodie for us, it's Jamie Russell. Yes, and lastly. We got Katie and Oti from the For Your Reference podcast, all the way in Australia. Yes, what a lovely bunch of people. Good yes, lord, indeed. That's, that's a lot of patrons. Right. So first of all, Sean Pounder Nixon sending his picks for this week, and he has said, "I've only got one recommendation, and it's Batman and Superman: Battle of the Super Sons. It's a gorgeously animated, lovely film with Big Daddy Batman and Big Daddy Supes taking a back seat to Damian Wayne and Jonathan Kent as they square off against the evil Starro. It's generally disturbing in parts, and I just plain loved it. Massive thank you to Paul for recommending it. And guess what? We're going to be talking about it very soon on the Patreon episode. On the Patreon episode? Oh, right, okay, I see. Because you give it love. You give it that much love, do you? Hell yeah, boy. This is animated, is it? It's an animated one. You can hear about it on the Patreon, don't worry about it. Okay, all right, we'll talk about it then. Uh, next up is Jamie Russell who says Thief is a top tier Michael Mann film and I can't believe that I left it for so long it would make for an interesting comparison with Heat which was apparently written around the same time as it shares many of its themes and has similar central criminal protagonists it also shares the same immaculate attention to detail which is fully realised in the high sequences it also has a fantastic synth score from Tangerine Dream check it out do you know what's funny about that is at 
times watching Blue Steel, I was like, this reminds me of Heat, the aesthetic does, because okay. Heat has that blue yeah, yeah. throughout as well. And also Michael Mann's approach to things is kind of like a slightly cold, distanced look at these mm. situations. And that's mm. what this film felt like at times. You get that in the kind of police procedural kind of, yeah, like the blue, go the, the blue, blue for the police's uniform. I do. Yes. I'm, I'm reading Heat 2. Oh, are you? How yeah. is it going? I'm enjoying it. it it's it's uh, quite a thick tome. Like, imagine reading the film Heat. It mm. doesn't... Yeah, it's not super accessible. Mm. But I will reserve judgment till the end. It's, okay. it's hard to sink my teeth into. But every time I'm- one of the characters turns up, like Pacino or De Niro, it's great because it's like having them do a performance in my mind. Lovely. Is it bouncing between like the past and the future? Yeah. Of the film? yeah. It okay. bounces between 1988, um, immediately after the events of 1995, and then I believe it jumps to 2002. Oh, wow. Okay. Interesting. And Al Pacino is your main character? No. Uh, <laughs> funnily enough, Val Kilmer is. <clears throat> oh! Yeah. They follow him immediately after he sort of turns and runs oh wow yeah oh yeah that's that yeah that's got legs in that story then yeah that's cool yeah oh lovely so we'll see what happens there Beautiful. i'll let you know at the end how it is fan bloody tastic yes well that's the end of the episode guys cheers um that was fun well maybe not for you two yes yeah. it was fun to talk about it wasn't fun that fun well, it was it was fun to watch it just wasn't that good yes it Basically. was very good <laughs> But yes, let's go record our Patreon episode now. And uh, yeah, you guys can come over just for a pound, just for one single pound and you can come listen. And you can get some Great. glorious content at the same time. We love then, to see you there. Other than that, we'll see you on Night of the Living Dead. Yes. And round out 1990. Peace out. Ew,